Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. This episode features Greg Eisenberg, the founder and CEO of Five By. Find and share the best videos. Hey, Greg, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Wicked. I'm super excited. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself before we get into uh, all the nitty-gritty details? Uh, where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion uh, for entrepreneurship really develop? So I'm from Montreal, Canada. Um, I've lived there pretty much my entire life up until about a year and a half ago uh, where I moved to San Francisco. Um, I've been passionate about startups since pretty much the age of 13. Um, and when I say startups, I mean tech startups. There's something really, really beautiful about being able to create something um, and that affecting millions of people, uh, hopefully every day in a positive way. Especially from being from like a somewhat random place like Montreal in the sense that it's not like London, it's not New York, it's not Tokyo, it's not the center in the center of the world. Yeah. The internet is just like the best way to connect with other people and like I got hooked on the internet um, I guess when I got AOL dial up and I went into a chat room and I those were the days like chat with people um, and yeah hooked ever since and then been building stuff since then. So you've been building products since the age of 13. What was the first company and how did you hack it together? Um, so my family was in the, um, sort of selling dinnerware and crystal, um, they had like a retail shop in Montreal, um, and I helped them get, you know, get online, sell product, um, learn to code, um, and I, you know, I realized that you could be, you know, in Montreal or, or in Canada, um, and be able to create something and sell to people all over the world. I mean... You know, we were based in Montreal, but, you know, none of our online, you know, obviously customers were Canadian, really. It was all, like, U.S., and um, it was just a really, really exciting time in the, in, I mean, this is, I guess, late, er, late 90s, early, early 2000s, um, when it was just a wild west out there for e-commerce. Like, there was just, there were no, like, Amazon didn't have the ubiquity that it has today. And there's a lot of opportunity, and small people like us could go and, and, and build stuff and, and ship products. So it was exciting times. So what was the, what was the e-commerce site built off of? Basically, we bought a we licensed a shopping cart from this guy in Hawaii um, for two hundred forty nine dollars or something like that. Yeah, and I still remember the the um, the website that he had, which was a tripod web website, I believe. Um, and it had a like animated GIF that said Aloha, and it was like a flaming animated GIF, like with the flaming edges. Seems legit. 
And I was like, I went to him and I was like, yeah, this is this this seems about right. You know, let's do let's do this. And, and you know, yeah, we built we you know built it off that 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 guy. There was no like Shopify or uh, Magento or anything like that back then. Um, it was just like, you know, I feel like the greatest opportunities are when when you're when you're in a wild west, when people don't know what they should be doing, they don't understand. Um, uh, where to be going, and and that's where, that's where money is made, and that's where big companies are made, and that in those times of uncertainty, and I think like today, like really mobile is 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 uncertain, uncertain, and that's why like I like spending my time there today. So after that, you were brought into a project called Wall Street Survivor. How did you grow that, and and did it get acquired? Yeah. So like after um after sort of like I tinkered with some e-commerce projects in high school. I actually got into the um, user acquisition space, and I started um, getting users for social media. Um, well, social clients like the e these, the Zing guys of the world, like the Farmvilles, the Mafia Wars, and dating companies, eHarmony, that sort of thing. And we did that, and it was very successful. Then I got into the agency space, actually, of all places. Um, I had made a lot of money. I had made some money doing user acquisition. Um, this is around 2007, 2008. There was just so much money floating around in that space, and I, you know, the reason why I wanted to get into agency was like, you know, the affiliate and user acquisition world is just like not that. Um, you know, people think of us as like the underbelly of the internet, um, even though we, you know, we do all the user acquisition. But um, so I basically, you know, helped build an agency. You know, about 25 people in Montreal. We did Fortune 500 stuff. Um, we built stuff like TechCrunch.com and, and WordPress.com, some big clients, and and Wall and Wall Street Survivor was actually one of our clients. Um, and I met the CEO and and the and the original and the founder, and we just hit it off. And I left the agency world to go build it, and uh, it became yeah the most popular stock market simulator on the internet. It's a way for people to learn about the stock market, and we. Created an, and we had another side of the business that sold that technology as a part of a finance curriculum. So, like, if you're, you know, doing your MBA at Harvard, a part of your grade is how well you did in our platform. Millions of students used it uh, year over year, it, and 85% of the top U.S. business schools use it. That's pretty crazy. And uh, we sold that side of the business uh, in June 2013. Uh, Wall Street Survivor still exists. It's an independent entity and sort of just grows month over month. I think, um, you know, it's it. It'll probably eventually get acquired, but you know, as for now, it's just it's just doing really well. Um, so that, yeah, that's the story there. Yeah, that's really cool. And so you're saying that you know you're super passionate about mobile because that's the the, the wild west right now, um, and you're actually working on an amazing, in my opinion, amazing uh, mobile product called Five by. So what is it, and how did you come up with the original idea for it? You know, about two years ago, I guess. Um, when we first started, before I started the company, I was thinking, do I want to do VC full-time or do I want to do startup stuff full-time? Um, I had been angel investing for three, four years then. Uh, I had a small fund. It just seemed like the logical thing to do would be just invest. Um, but I've always been passionate about video and I've always noticed that it's just so hard to find the best content. Like You go to YouTube.com or other sites like that and it's work. It's work to find the best stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but 
for me, like, especially when I want to relax, like, I just want to press a button. I want to get good stuff. And I just want to get it. So I said, you know what? Why don't I spend the next few years working on something I actually believe in, something that's not just a market opportunity, but something that actually I would use and some you know other people would use. So we started Five by with that premise. And basically what it morphed into um, today is it's, you know, I would say half... Um, half the discovery app, so half, you know, the best place to find the greatest videos. So you just press a button and you get great shit. Um, funny videos, entrepreneurship videos, um, tech videos, news videos, a hundred different channels. Um, all curated, all high quality stuff. But one of my favorite parts is the other half, which is once you've found that content, you can just press a button now um, and send it to one to twelve of your friends. And an initial it's a real-time conversation around the video. So um, it's kind of like, in a sense, like a Snapchat sort of thing where, you know, you know on Snapchat, you take a photo of yourself and you can just tick off who you want to send it to. The same thing is with FiveBuy, whereas you find a great piece of content via, you know, via a curated playlist or via, a, uh, we, you know, you could search YouTube videos directly from the app. And once you find it, you could just, you know, you think of one or two or three people you love and you send it to them, fire it off, super easy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll get to a little bit more about that in a second, but because uh, because I really love the the new version with with that feature. But I'm curious, how did you guys put together and, and hack that first version of the product? Because uh, I think there's like even even back then there was something pretty special, like the video concierge part of it, where you're able to kind of pick a few categories and then, like you said, cool shit just shows up at the touch of a button. How did you guys come up with that and build that? Initially, actually. We, we started the company in September and we, we said, we don't know, we really don't know anything about video discovery. We're just guys who want to solve the problem. We know we want to solve, we, would know, we know we want to create a mobile first um, company, but it's just so damn hard to build a mobile app these days. Like, it just takes a lot of time and money. Um, and the web is just so much easier to test ideas. We said, why don't we just spend the first five months building a bunch of different stuff and see what sticks? on the web first and, and learn about the market. And the first idea we had was actually Reddit for video, um, where people were able to post videos, upvote it, best stuff would rise to the top. Um, problem with that is just people were just like spamming it and what ended up happening is the videos were not good quality videos and the worst thing you can do is give someone a video they don't like because then they waste like five minutes of their day and then they just hate you. Um, so, um, I think one of the smarter things we did was just like just te you know spend those first five months, test a bunch of different ideas, and and ultimately when we ended up with like this video concierge idea, um, when we when we basically we built Reddit for video and we said and people would come to that that website and they just like didn't know what to watch. So we said why don't we build like sort of like a concierge to help get them to that? And then we realized hey we don't even need that Reddit for video. We just need a way to help people find those videos. So, like, what I would encourage a lot of, like, some of the listeners to do is, you know, even if you're building a mobile company, I know everyone wants to build a mobile company now because the opportunity is right there, and that's what VCs are going to invest in, and that's what acquirers are going to acquire. It, you know, spend time building on the web to get some of that validation. Like, spend that time to learn about the market. Um, unless you've spent, like, five years in it. Like, I, you know, which is not a lot of people. Like, when you start a company... Generally, like you may have some expertise in it, but you know you you do need to learn about it firsthand. You 
do need to get that data in, and, and the web is just so much easier to test. Yeah, that's amazing advice, actually. I think a lot of people should should, should take you up on that and, and do exactly that. Um, so, I mean, after the first version of 5 by as you guys were growing it, you had raised a bit of a seed round, and I believe you're looking for your Series A, if, if I've got my, my, my facts straight, um, when you ultimately ended up not raising it, but getting acquired by StumbleUpon. So how did that acquisition happen, and, and why StumbleUpon, and why not raise? So... It, you know, it was the summer last year in 2013, and we had, first of all, we had no intentions to sell the company. It was like, it all happened by chance. So basically, I'm a big believer that no matter where you live, you got to be spending time in, if you have a tech company, you got to be spending time in San Francisco and just a lesser, and to a certain extent, New York. Um, you got to be making those trips out because, you know, ultimately, I think it was Dan Martell who said this, that, there's, tw there's 21 people who you should know. Um, well, he said there's seven companies that are ultimately going to acquire your company, and there's three people at those companies, seven, you know, seven times three, 21, who you should know. So if you're a founder, you're starting a company, you've got to know these 21 people. And, these three, and those three people at the company that could ultimately make the decision are either the CEO, head of corp dev, head of product. So if you're a founder of a company, you don't know these people, like, you've got to get to know them. And... You know, I did know some of our potential acquirers, who you could obviously imagine. And you know, I was, I was in San Francisco, and I was I was I was chatting with you know one of well, you know one of the product guys at at one of these you know seven companies, and he was like, "Hey man, like, would you guys be interested? Like, love like your new mobile product? Would you guys be interested in selling?" And I I was like, um, "Never thought about it before, but maybe." And we went down that process and. And it was just a really, really big company. Um, and through the grapevine, basically, I met the CEO of StumbleUpon, and all of a sudden, I had two sort of companies we were speaking to, and then another company came in, and then, um, and then we ultimately sold. And like, you know, why did we sell? Like, there's only, you know, there's either, you know, there's really only four reasons why you sell a company. Either number one, you don't believe in the opportunity ahead of you, which we did. You know, video was exploding. People were using our product. It was exciting. Um, so that wasn't it. Number two, uh, there's a cash flow issue. Um, that wasn't the case with us. Um, like, we had money. Um, I, I had a venture fund, so we had access to capital. There was no problem there. So that wasn't the case. The third reason is you have an offer you can't refuse. And, you know, probably the fourth reason is, you know, you sell to partner with someone who can get you to scale the scale that you want. And I think StumbleUpon was a bit of three and four, you know? I think, like, they made a great deal, a great offer, and they also told us, it's been true, that they would help us scale, and it's been it's been a pretty cool experience. Wicked. And so, I guess, after the acquisition, you guys started working on version two, or maybe you were working on it a bit before, but basically, just, just a few weeks ago, you guys launched version two, which really took five by to the next level uh, in, in terms of that capacity that you were talking about earlier to all of a sudden add chat to a video where you could send it to friends after you discovered it, which I thought, I, I thought was amazing. Uh, I mean, I love the first version. was always great with the, with the interface, um, but now you guys added chat. So why did you decide to do that to video discovery to the app? Was it, was it sorely missing? Was it something users were asking for? Well, basically, we noticed that people on the mobile app were finding videos and SMSing it to their friends. Mm-hmm. And it was very strange for us. Like we had never thought that we put SMS as a way to share, like like five minutes before we launched. Like it was not. <laughs> it was like, 
I, I, you know, I don't even remember whose idea was it. It may have even been an intern's idea who just snuck it in there, and all of a sudden we had a bunch of people who'd come to Flyby, find great videos, funny videos, whatever, and just send it to their friends. And when we asked these people, like, why using SMS? Like, why don't you use Facebook? Why don't you use Twitter? Email? Like, I don't get it. And it was always the same answer. It was like, listen, my address book is my social network. Like, it's easier to send a video to my mom just, like, by, you know, I have her in my phone book. Yeah. Um, and we noticed that people were having these discussions. Like, you know, I would find a video, a funny video, I'd send it to my mom, and then I would maybe have a discussion around it. And we said, well, why don't we just build that into the app? So the natural extension to discovery is communication and social. For, you know, when people find a piece of content, they think of people just by definition. You know, so, like, it just it was a logical extension um, for us. And I think what you're going to see from us over the next two, three, four, five, six months is just doubling down and tripling down on on social and creating a, just a better, better experience around not just finding videos, but having those conversations. What are your million-dollar product mistakes, and what's the biggest lesson for other entrepreneurs who are trying to hack a product? I mean, so yeah, I made a lot, a lot of mistakes. Um, it's like, you know, easy to, like, some people, like, read, you know, my bio sometimes, they're like, oh, wow, you've done a lot of things, but... The truth is, I would have done things a lot differently in a lot of cases. Um, you know, a good example would be like when we started Wall Street Survivor. Um, we spent like a good like I want to say like a year basically preparing for like the biggest conference um, in finance in finance, um, which is called Finnovate, and we basically built a prototype for that you know conference, and then we and then we realized that like that was not a smart idea. Like, building something for a conference, building a prototype for a conference isn't necessarily a great idea. Um, what you always, you know, don't want to lose sight in is just building, like, you're building something for your users. Like, it doesn't make it, like, a conference, like, yeah, you may get, a, you know, an article out of it, and you may meet an investor. Um, but ultimately, you're going to get an article out of something if your product is really good. And you're going to get the press talking about you if... Um, you're relevant and you have a really cool product. Um, like when we, um, like even us, like all the press that we've gotten from Five by like most of the time it's just people like reaching out and saying like, hey, like I like your product, this is really cool, can I ask you a couple questions? I think it's easy to like get distracted. It's easy to um, focus on ten things when you should be focusing on three things. It's easy to make trips and to, you know, party a lot and, and just to do networking. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, being heads down, keeping a small team, um, not spending a lot of money, being really frugal, um, always focus on growth and just manufacturing and building that hockey stick graph. Um, and that's what's going to make you successful in whatever it is you're doing. That's some great feedback. So you're also a partner and angel investor with Good People Ventures. Where did the name come from, and what do you look for in companies you want to invest in? Yeah, so I started investing maybe like four or five years ago. Um, then we created a fund um, called Good People Ventures, where we put our own money into the fund, so we have no outside LPs. The idea for Good People came out of our, our thinking of, you know, that there's three types of people in the world. You know, nice people good people and assholes. Um, so we, we actually like, we basically, you know, there's like, a, you know, we kind of like assholes because they're easy to spot out. 
but there's sort of this you know subtle difference between nice people and good people. So nice people, you know, nice people, you know, do good things, but you know, when shit hits the fan, you know, they act for themselves. Um, good people, on the other hand, you know, act for their the people they care about, their loved ones, their good friends, their family, um, their investors, and we said to ourselves like the people that we want to invest in are people who are gonna like that, you know, people who we care about and who are gonna care about us, and, and that's how we see the world. Um, that's how we see our friends and stuff like that. And we, you know, that fund is invested in, you know, I think just under 15 companies. And then I joined uh, as a venture partner at a new fund called Indicator Ventures. Um, same sort of thing, um, you know, a, a larger team, but some of the same team from good people. So what do you look for in companies that you want to invest in? Like, what's the main thing? So we invest, it's like, you know, early stage, really early stage, so like seed and pre-seed. When you're looking at that early, early stage, there's only two things I think you can look at. Uh, the first thing is the team. So, I mean, it's cliche, but like, are these people going to like execute on whatever it is they're trying to do? Um, are they good people? Um, do, they, uh, do they have the hustle and the grit to get through this? Do they have something to prove? Um, so stuff like that. And the second thing is the space. Um, and notice, like, notice that I didn't say the idea, because I care less about the idea. I care more about like the general space. So, like, video is video a hot, you know, area? Do I think video, you know, is going to get bigger over the next three years? Is this, you know, are there potential acquirers in the space of video? Yes, 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 yes. I care less about if you're going to do the songs of video, the Reddit of video, um, the Snapchat of video, whatever it is. Um, because if you have a good team um, and a big enough space and a space that's about to be disrupted, then you can maneuver it. So those are really the only two things I look at. Wicked. It's uh, really, really cool. So um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, the importance of, of networking and kind of meeting these, you know, these 21 people. Um, you know, why should someone spend time building a network and investing in relationships? I mean, I hear it from founders all the time when when they're fundraising that they're Oh man, like you know, you ask them how you doing. Oh, I've you know, I spent eighty percent of my days fundraising. I can't wait to close my round so I could stop fundraising, right? Yeah. We spend a lot of time fundraising for capital, but do we spend enough time fundraising for social capital? If you have a you know, if you have if you're building a product, and I'll use the example of video because like I'm just in it, and you know, I think about it a lot, you know, and you know, shouldn't you have friends at YouTube, shouldn't you have friends who, um, you know, are at Vimeo? Shouldn't you have friends who maybe are at TechCrunch? Um, and ultimately, they, like these relationships, like you could you could call upon the capital just as you would going to the bank and withdrawing a hundred dollars from your ATM. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we spend, you know, as entrepreneurs, like, it, you know, just, you know, I just think, you know, we don't do a regimented or calculated job enough around networking, and I actually hate the word networking, more like friendship building yeah. around people who um, who could help you in the future, and, and I think, like, it's also the, ne you know, what you don't want to get yourself into, obviously, is spending 80% of your time, you know, quote-unquote networking, and 20% of your time building your product. But I do think that there's this healthy balance where um, you should be always be building up social capital. Um, every business you're starting, the social capital that you're building building needs to be different. So if you're in the video space, like it needs to be around video potential people. 
if you're in the e-commerce space selling, you know, jeans, like how do you meet the founder of Levi's um, and become friends with him? And actually, that's the thing I've really, really like coming to the states. I've really, 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 and you know, appreciated and respected among Americans is like they dream big and then they stop and they dream bigger. And it's like, well, you know, how don't you know how how can I be friends with the guy from Levi's? How can I like, you know, meet the guy from seven, you know, seven jeans or whatever it is? Um, and you know, if you're outside, you know, the New Yorks or San Francisco's. Like it's easy to think like oh you know I, you know I can never meet these people or or I can't um, I can't connect with them but it's not true like it, these are these are it's totally possible um, you can find these people where they are and on Twitter and Facebook and and see where they you know what they like and create you know e relationships with them that you know that eventually go to real relationships and 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 then eventually call upon them for social capital. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I totally get what you're coming from. So I know you've got tons of funny and unbelievable stories about yourself or or five by. Uh, is there any that you know some people might not know that you're willing to share? <laughs> um, it's tough, man. It's like oh, my brain is rushing with all sorts of things. Like, <laughs> like it's been, it's been pretty. It's been crazy. Like, um, you know, one story. I have uh, around five by which, you know, it was really how we got into the launch conference, which is the largest launch conference um, in in I guess in tech. Yeah. Was was basically because I you know I said the story a couple times or one or two times I don't know if I said it publicly but basically like Jason Calcanis is is the um, is the guy there uh, the founder there he founded Web Blogs he has a, a podcast uh, this week in startups. And I basically like stalked him on Twi on Twitter. Like he he like five or more like six years ago, um, he like checked in on Foursquare 2008 at some place in Palo Alto. I like showed up to him and he just like just like hey man like how's it going? Like he was like who are you? You know like and I just like had a conversation with him and it was kind of you know it's kind of stalkerish and uh, you know a couple of years late you know I guess like f you know five years later. I saw him at, actually at a bar in Vegas at like 3 a.m. and I was like, "Hey man, do you remember me?" Um, obviously, he didn't remember me, but he was like, <laughs> "No," and I was like, "You know that you know guy like stalked you, stalked you, you know pal out." <laughs> He's like, "Oh my God, how are you doing?" He's like, "You know," and all of a sudden we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "You know," and but you know, I made some sort of lasting impression on him. And he was like, "What are you up to these days?" And I was like, "Well, I'm working on this video thing." And he's like, "Oh my god! Like, you, would you want to like, you know, present at launch conference?" I was like, "Sure." Uh, he, you know, it's three in the morning. He emails his assistant. Um, before I knew it, I'm like launching in front of five thousand people at launch conference, all from this one time, just like hustling and, you know, being in an uncomfortable situation. Like, it's not fun to like go up to someone and like kind of be stalkerish um, but you know sometimes the necessary evil <laughs> to yeah. to things happen for sure oh, honestly great. you didn't mind <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's a great story so besides watching a lot of videos through Fiveby what are other cool apps tools or books you are obsessed with right now let me pull out my my phone and see what's on my home screen these days first of all I'm pretty addicted to Snapchat these days. Um, I don't know if you guys are on it or, or people listening like it, but 
stories, like Snapchat stories, are an incredible yeah. way to consume content. So if anyone's on Snapchat, add me. My thing's Greg387. You'll see a side of me that, you know, <laughs> Twitter and Facebook. That's sort of my... I feel like Facebook and Twitter is like our curated versions of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Snapchat is a lot more real, so I've been spending maybe too much time on Snapchat, but a lot of time on Snapchat. Um, Hype Machine for music. Yes. Like, so good. You should check out Plug for Mac. That's oh, the one I've been using. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's great. Um, like, you need to get it, even if you're on RDO or Spotify or whatever, like, the curation is just not as, like, the playlists are just not as good on those platforms. So Hype Machine, like, just, you know, what basically what it does is it goes through blogs, curated blogs, and, and basically, you know, it's sort of like a Reddit thing where the more hearts, the more, like, upvotes, basically, you get, um, the best stuff rises at the top, and you know you're always going to get cool stuff on it, so check it out. Yeah, it's an amazing one. What else am I, like, really into right now? I mean... Um, you know, if you're in SF or New York, there's something called Postmates, which is like pay ten dollars and they'll just like deliver you anything from anywhere um, within an hour, which is pretty cool. Uh, I've been playing with uh, Rooms, which is a new product by Facebook that came out a couple of days ago. Yeah. Mm, private rooms around different interests. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. You liking it so far? Yeah, I think it's cool. Like. It's cool that, like, it's anonymous and, like, I can just, like, scroll and, like, I can go to the book lover's room and see, like, what books people are reading, you know? I mean, I mean, I don't know where I'd get that information right now besides, like, writing on Google, like, hey, like, what are the coolest, you know, the best books to read in, you know, October 2014. So mm -hmm. I think there's something special about that. Um, and, like, the forum is dead, you know? Like, back in the day, like, forums were a big deal. Like, those were communities lived. Um... So I think like they're onto something in in that space, um, and that's about it. I mean, that's what it, you know. That's sort of what I'm focusing on. I'm also reading like there's a new Peter Thiel book. Yeah. Um, I just bought it yesterday, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Man, like reading, like I try to read as many books as I can. Like, it's the best way to like hack yourself to being being really smart. You know, by reading, especially like reading other people's like how they did it and how they think about things. Um, and I don't think, like, I don't, you know, just because you read blogs, you know, it's just not, it's not the same as a book, I don't think. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would agree. I, I definitely try to read, you know, as many different subjects, like not just business books, but anything, um, just to try and get different perspectives. I think that's really important. The other, the other platform I've been spending a lot of time on recently is yeah. Medium. Uh, like, the quality of content is just so high. Um, and I'm just, you know, sometimes I, you know, when I, when I, when I just want to, like, learn about something, um, and see what people, like, Medium, just, like, the front page is just generally quality content, um, which, which is pretty good. Cool. Well, I think that's about all the, all the time we have, uh, and all the questions we have for you, Greg, so thanks so much for, uh, joining us. Cool, yeah, so, you know, if anyone's listening, anyone wants to reach out to me, uh, at Greg Eisenberg on Twitter, um, Snapchat, you heard Greg three eighty seven. Uh, download five by number five by on iOS and Android. Let me know what you think, um, and you can let me know what you think at on my personal email. Actually, it's Greg G R E G at five by five by dot com. Um, things. Let me know things that you um, don't like about it, like about it. Um, 
and, you know, send me some videos. That's awesome. Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.